Most people listen to podcasts to learn something, to be entertained and to walk away feeling inspired, perhaps even educated a bit. Hello, I'm Devo and I'm one of the two hosts of our show, The Little Impolite Podcast. Welcome and thanks for listening. This show is for the expansive, open-minded, creative, whose persistent curiosity towards integrating new information in their lives never stops. Think of it as the free thinker's toolkit for anyone that refuses to enroll in the conformity of all of those around them, instead forging their own paths with fortitude and love. It's that slightly unapologetic conversation with that new friend you just met that sort of wistfully and effortlessly pushes the conversation into spaces that you never expected. It's the deep-hearted conversations with purposeful and thoughtful individuals that have finally figured out their superpowers and are now pouring into it with gusto and love. We're delighted to host these conversations with you that lead us down the conversation well. But watch your step, because most of our guests, and of course, Lisa and I, are a little impolite. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Little Impolite Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Devo, and sitting next to me is my partner in crime, Lisa Staff. And today we have a really scintillating, honestly, this woman has more credentials and degrees and pedigrees than probably any guest we've had on the show, but Claudia Garbu, and I hope I'm saying that name correctly, I think I did. Apologies if I didn't, but she's going to be coming to us today from Germany, and she is a metaphysicist, she's a biologist, she's a microbiologist, she's a former neurologist, and she has taken all of her skills and lessons and launched a new business to teach people how to deal with past trauma and using emotional intelligence and all sorts of brain-related neurosis. And she's going to have a conversation with us on fight or flight and how our bodies react and adapt and how if we don't deal with these sort of traumatic issues that we've developed early in our lives, how they can affect us, business, our business, our lives, our, our relationships, everything going forward. I think as well, like she has a really interesting story about the, the fight or flight within her life um, and how that affected her physically as well. And the huge change that she had to make that, that all this stress, what it was doing to her body and her health and the changes that she made. And she has a fabulous way of explaining things both left brain and right brain. Like mm -hmm. she's able to medically go through the details of how these things affect your body, but she's able to kind of universally and spiritually explain it as well, which really just the two to combine together, married together makes so much sense. Yeah. Somebody who is this intelligent and still has the ability to break it down so that yeah. it's not only entertaining and educating, but it's sort of intriguing and, and I don't lose interest to it um, because she's talking so technologically advanced mm -hmm. over mm -hmm. us. Um, and I, I, we were on her, uh, on her show as a guest. That's how we met her. And we had so much fun talking with her that we invited her back to our show to sort of further expound on this fight or flight because it affects all of us. Yeah. Um, some of the things we're going to talk about are some of the stress points early on in our lives. Um, the first seven years of our lives is when we're, we're, we're the most impressionable. And especially if, if you come from uh, backgrounds of abuse or sexual violence or domestic violence or abusive parents or anything else. And, and as, as parents, this is really critical for us because your children are basically just taking on and perceiving literally everything. They're sponges. And so she's going to talk a little bit about the science behind the, this observational bias that, that you can develop as kids, uh, the PTSD and trauma centered around 
poor parenting habits or neglect or whatever it is and and sort of how we take that information on and it sort of becomes the narrative of our life, good, bad, or ugly. And I think as well, we're all concerned with our health you know, at any point in our lives, I think a lot of it is, you know, talking about our hormonal balances, our cortisol levels, and this really fits into that to explain what these fight or flight being under this much stress, especially the last few years, all of us being under stress with social media and everything else that's compounding unto us, you know, you know, politics, wars, all the things that are going around us, the fear that we're living in constantly and the difference that that makes in our life and how to get on top of all that. Mm -hmm. And since I have a PhD in social media, I'm going to offer you some holistic health advice at the end of this show. Lisa and I put together a 10 to 11 minute download on how to have a healthy relationship with social media so that it doesn't overwhelm you, compel you, and just basically still enable you to live a life, functional business, and not be completely tied to your damn phone all day Mm -hmm. long. If you're new to the podcast, thank you for joining us. Devo and I started this a couple of years ago. We actually met five years ago on social media. We are friends. We are business partners, and we're a little bit more than that as well. And we we just want to share the things that in our life we find really interesting and have had made pivotal changes in our life as far as the, the things that we find are helping us to make us better humans. We have a long way to go, but with some of these guests that we've been speaking with, whether we're speaking about um, mind, body, or business, those things that spiritually change us, medically change us, um, physically change us, all of those things that that add meaning and value to our life. I'm just riding on your coattails, really. No, you're not. That's There's no I'm coattails. Doing. Okay. Anyhow, we appreciate your time. You know, we know that you have choices when it comes to podcasts and excited that you've joined us today. Um, do us a favor. If you enjoy the show, it helps us continue and perpetuate this process, which is a lot of work. Um, and so I'm going to need your help to write us a review, leave us a note, leave us a comment, drop us a like, and follow us so that you get notified of our future amazingness that's coming and out. And please share this uh, with any friends that you think are feeling the same stress that have gone through the fight or flight and want a better understanding of what difference it makes in your life to have a, a more conceptual understanding of this. Mm-hmm. Great. You can find me and Devo on social media. Instagram, Instagram. primarily. I'm Devo, if you didn't know the difference, Fusion Photog. And I'm Lisa at Lisa Staff Photo. Give us a follow there too as well. You won't be disappointed. All right. Thanks for listening. See you on the other side. Good morning, everyone. I'm Devo. And on the other part of the country, my co-host, Lisa, you're in Utah, right, Lisa? Yes, I you're am. Salt Lake? Is that where you are? I'm in Salt Lake City, yeah. Okay, great. It's so, snowing. So we have a cool guest on today. Lisa and I were on, on her show, what was it, about three months ago? And just enjoyed the conversation and thought we would bring her on our show or was that part of our deal? Like the only way we could get on your show is we had to bring you on. Our show. <laughs> no, <laughs> I had to pay her a lot of money. Oh yes, you did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what it was like. <laughs> so I have to warn you both. As I, I said in the outset, I'm a bit frazzled today. Uh, I'm not really on my a game. So um, I'm going to, ask Claudia to take us through a breathing exercise to see if she can calm us down. But before I do that, let me introduce who she is because um, it's worth an introduction. So she's a uh, Claudia Garbu. Am I, am I saying your name right, Claudia? <laughs> Garbut. Garbut? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> she's a molecular biologist turned mindset high performance coach, which 
sort of just grabs me right off the uh, off the get go molecular biologist. Um, she teaches ambitious entrepreneurs the fundamental mechanisms at the intersection of physiology and psychology. And so she's already way smarter than me. So we're going to bring her on the show to sort of better understand what that is. But I think it'd be fun. And it's kind of appropriate because I am a bit frazzled today. And, and maybe it's because Lisa's all the way across the country. And I don't have her positive vibes affecting me. But <laughs> I thought it'd be a good conversation to talk about this whole fight or flight thing going on right now. And we're sort of it, um, if, if I may just digress for a minute. I sort of feel like as a planetary species, there's a lot of bullshit going on right now in a lot of didactic directions. And now Russia invaded Ukraine last night. And I'm like, what the fuck? And mm. then you've got COVID going all different directions. You have all this bullshit going on in Canada right now with dictator Trudeau. I mean, there's all these weird things happening all over the place. And then in my own little microcosm of my own world, it's like chaos over here. I've got two teenage daughters who are just like, all over the place and our business is like going in six different directions so we're trying to figure out how to rope that in so i just feel like a runaway bull in a spanish rodeo so claudia if you could just sort of shed some insights on fight or flight we're gonna have a conversation on that but before we do that please calm us down with some sort of (laughs) welcome to the show Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to this. So breathing, as you said, breathing is one of those things. When I found breath work, I hated it. I have to say that I hated it because it is something that that taps directly into your physiology. And for me, I had some I had some trauma in my past and sometimes breath work can reactivate that trauma. So that is just something to look out for because when you experience this breathing like faster breathing if you do some sort of like Wim Hof breathing for instance and you have this faster breathing it reminds your body of that trauma stage, right? So sometimes it can bring up a whole flood of emotions. And this is just something that I want people to be aware of when we talk about breathing exercises. But the one that I'm going to take you through today is one that should not do that because it activates your parasympathetic nervous system. So the other pathway, the one that gets you back to rest and repair state. So what we're going to do is we're doing a double exhale. Well, not a double exhale. It's an inhale. So we inhale for four seconds and we exhale for eight. And when you have a longer exhale than inhale, it calms your nervous system down. So that's what we are going to do. My first first experience with breath exercises, and Lisa will appreciate this story, we had a client that we were talking to a few years ago. Remember, Lise? I'm not going to say names, but um, she was a breathing expert, Claudia. And she invited me to do a breath exercise with her. And in my first breath exercise with her, I was like standing face to face with her sort of thing. And on my first breath exercise on my exhale, it was like verbal diary. Uh, my yeah i saw that so i spit all over her while i was doing it accidentally so (laughs) so i'm glad today you won't be the benefactor of that so (laughs) apparently i was extra saliva-y that morning Mm, yummy (laughs) yummy way to start off our day 
Um, just before we start this too, yeah. again, like I really appreciate this day too, because I feel like I'm all over the place, but what you're talking about already, sometimes I think with breath work, it's something that you feel like you have to be this yogi master or something mm-hmm. else. And you don't want to do it in public either because it's very, you'll stand out doing it. And it sounds like what <laughs> you're talking about right now, you can quietly do it wherever you are. Yes. And yes. not look like a weirdo. <laughs> Yes, you can. So if if you want to uh, have an extra, extra uh, well, for it to work even better, you're going to do inhale through the nose for the four seconds and then exhale through the mouth. But, but if you're in a crowd and you don't want people to notice you, you could exhale through the nose as well. So just to make okay, that but since we're, there's no one else seeing us today, right? <laughs> just us, just, just very casual. We can do the exhale through the mouth. So are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. So do we have to be hanging upside down on our ceiling like you are right now? No, I'm spider woman, as you said. <laughs> so you just relax, you drop your shoulders, you do a deep inhale. And I want you, maybe you can place your hands on your belly. So you really feel that you inhale deeply into your belly. You want to do the belly breathing. So That's your in- sternum, Lisa. That's your sternum, not your I'm belly. I'm doing both. Oh. oh. Heart and- yeah. So hands on your belly. Inhale through the nose to the count of four. One, two, three, four. And out through the mouth to the count of eight. Seven, eight. Oh. Sorry, I completely messed that up. Can we do it again? Okay. Do we need to teach you how to count first? Yeah, yeah. Let's do it again. I wasn't sure. Eight, seven. Count up or down for that one. (laughs) Okay, let's go again. Okay. In one, two, three, four, and out. Seven, eight. No, I did it again. What's going on here? Eight. See, it's chaos right now. It's just like things are all over the place. Four, three, two, one. Let's try that again. One, two, three, four, and out. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and in, two, three, four. And out, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. In, two, three, four. And out, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. In, two, three, four. And out, two, three, four. Five, six, seven, eight. How do you feel? <laughs> it's Better. a good one, right? Yeah, right. I'm not okay, I actually do feel several times oh, sorry, today. <laughs> I actually do feel calmer. So, what? What you said, tapping into the parasympathetic for us plebeians. What exactly does that mean? So, your autonomic nervous system has two pathways. So, the one is the sympathetic pathway, that's the activation of your body for fight or flight. And the other one is the parasympathetic. That's kind of the rest and digest or rest and repair state of your body. 
So what we're doing with the long exhale is we're telling the body that it's safe it's safe to relax and to let go. Because what you usually do in a dangerous situation, your body ramps up, right? You start to breathe faster, your blood pressure goes up, your heart rate goes up. So what we're doing when we're trying to activate the parasympathetic nervous system is we're doing the opposite. We calm down, we breathe slowly and deeply and let the body know that we are safe. So the fight or flight situation, it just, it just doesn't apply to being chased by a saber-toothed tiger. We sort of go into this space when we're dealing with any sorts of stress. It can be work-related stress, yes. relationship type of stress, anything that involves us having some sort of a response to some sort of external or even internal mechanism, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So... so so in a, in, a, in a scientific way, but that is easy to understand, can you sort of walk us through what the body's actually going through when we encounter situations that are acrimonious to what, how we're supposed to be? So first off, maybe the body's stress response is actually an amazing mechanism that, as I said, activates the sympathetic arm of this autonomic nervous system to help your body prepare for those fight or flight situations. But the thing is, this response was meant to provide this quick burst of energy for you to get out of any kind of dangerous situation, really. And once you got back to safety, the stress response was supposed to be shut down and replaced by that parasympathetic activation response that helps you to nourish and repair your body. So stress is not bad per se, but the, the acute stress actually is really important for your survival. And it increases your focus, it increases your energy, and it also helps you to fight uh, bacterial or viral infections, for instance. The problem is that the stress system as you said, it does not discriminate between physiological and psychological stresses. And since we live in a world that provides a lot of physiological safety, but at the same time, not necessarily a lot of psychological safety, think bullying, the pandemic, constant competition, um, job uncertainty, pressure to conform, pressure to succeed, all these things. Um, all that is the psychological, the, the opposite of psychological safety. Yeah? So for many people, stress has really become chronic. And that is a huge problem because chronic stress is toxic. And here's why. So when you're stressed, your body releases all those stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline into your blood. And when those levels stay constantly elevated, it's increases your risk for things like high blood pressure, heart disease, type 2 diabetes, weight gain, uh, headaches, digestive problems, insomnia, like so many things, but also things like anxiety and depression and memory impairment. So it's really the effects are on the body as well as on the mind, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make perfect sense. So it's interesting to me because we are basically always on and very, very few times. And I was actually having this conversation this morning with my daughters because they were on their phones as we were driving to school. And then I noticed last night before they went to bed, they were on their phones. And I was just thinking about 
we're always on our phones and I'm always in front of my computer. Like we're always doing something and we're supposed to take downtime to sort of get back into that parasympathetic. But it's almost impossible in today's day and age because we're just being bombarded with information overload 24-7, right? So Mm -hmm. what are some of the things outside of just throwing our phone out the window that we could do to to take those breaks here and there so that we're not constantly in overload mode? That is a great question. And for me, well, I what I do with my clients, for instance, is that I I teach them my what I call my sustainable success framework. And this framework is really built on four pillars. So for me, the first pillar is really about reprogramming your mind. So there a lot of that has to do with reframing the challenges that that we encounter. It's about understanding how your mind works and what drives you. It's about eliminating distractions from within um, so that you can get out of that constant cycle of anxiety and hard work and overwhelm that's leading you straight into burnout. And it's also about uncovering and eliminating any subconscious limiting beliefs that keep you stuck, um, as well as about silencing this harsh inner critic. Because so many of us, we have this really harsh inner critic, right? We beat ourselves up all the time. So that's also that I like to change with my clients. And the second pillar is really about nourishing your body because the body and the mind are so closely connected via this mind-body connection that how you treat your body will always affect your mind and vice versa. And that's why we make sure that we optimize things like nutrition and exercise and relaxation and sleep so that your body can work like this well-oiled machine. And the third pillar is about healing your soul. And for me, that's less woo-woo than it might sound, because to me, that's basically about identifying and working through unresolved emotional trauma from the past. And these wounds are really like faulty programs running in the background, and they're stopping us from achieving our conscious goals, um, or they stop us from achieving our full potential, or they sabotage our relationships with others. It's like, there's this quote that I really like by um, Lao Tzu, I think that's the guy. He said, the soul has no secret that the behavior does not reveal. And I think that's so true. Your behavior is always just the tip of the iceberg. And there's so much underneath um, to create that behavior. And that's why it's, I think it's so important to become aware of those subconscious patterns and replace them where necessary. And the last of the four pillars in my framework is to bring all of that together by de- by developing high-performance habits that align your mind, body, and soul and help you embody your goals on a daily basis. And this is coming back to the question you ask, how can we do this on a daily basis? And for me, this is really about developing those habits that help you do exactly that. So you need some habits that help you calm your mind. You need some habits that help you nourish your body. And you need to find some habits that help you heal the old trauma. And when you can integrate them into your day, and it doesn't have to be like a two or three hour routine, it can be small, tiny habits, but they add up over time. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes it makes perfect sense. So I just want to recap what I heard you say. So your your sustainable pillars of sort of combating this constant flight are silencing your inner critic and sort of addressing the the root of the problem. What that yeah. why why do you have that inner critic? Um, nourishing your body in terms of your diet, your exercise, your sleep patterns, all of those sorts of things that are sort of the physical elements of that run our our our, our shell, right? Um, healing your soul, which is sort of the not not to be woo woo, but it's kind of that identifying whatever I think you said unresolved issues or patterns that led to that chaos in the first place, and then yeah. you talked about aligning our habits, which is developing daily rituals or, or habits of, of persistent success that sort of retrain, reframe our paradigm. Is that? Exactly. Very well said. (laughs) So I, I think right now with the whole hustle mentality that we're all supposed to have, we're all supposed to be on no pain, no gain, you know, you just don't stop, you know, how long our, our work days are, all of that, that most of us, really connect with what you're saying. We our our cortisol, our hormones, all the levels are off. We're we're carrying a lot of things in our body that we shouldn't be carrying. And I kind of want you to maybe walk us through like what your relationship with is your clients when they come to you, do they understand any of this yet? Do they realize that this is what they're having problems with? Like how do you how do you nourish that out of them and create a a program that's sustain, sustain, sustainable just for them. Yeah, so a lot of people are not aware of those things. It's usually we are only aware of the surface level problems. So people that come to me might might feel that they are unable to relax. That is probably a common one because when you're in chronic, chronic fight or flight, you get to a point, I remember when I was at at a point in my life where that happened to me, I know I I was absolutely unable to relax. I was so tense. I just couldn't relax. Even if I took a weekend off, because at that point in my life, I still worked weekends and everything. So I was basically on 24 seven. And I got to that point where I was completely unable to relax. So even if I took a weekend off, I did not feel recharged. I had trouble sleeping. So those are things like the symptoms that people probably recognize. A lot of people might have already started to develop some physical symptoms like migraines or um, chronic back pain, something like that. So that's all on the surface, but they don't really, they usually don't connect the pieces. It's like fragmented pieces. um, And their body is telling them something that they don't understand because they usually don't listen. And then the body (laughs) tries to speak louder and louder (laughs) for them to slow down and listen. So what we do is um, we talk about different aspects of their life and we try to uncover the root problems because oftentimes you have patterns in your life that manifest in different areas. So usually you have maybe a couple of central themes that pop up over and over over time and in different areas of your lives. And this this often points at the root causes that we have to address in order for you to move forward. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. No, it definitely does. And I think what you're talking about as well, just in America, we mask a lot of those symptoms 
with pharmaceuticals or drugs or whatever and don't listen to what our body is actually telling us that this is this is like a warning sign and this isn't normal yes. and you don't need to actually pop those pills or take those drugs to kind of make yourself better there's a there's a different pathway that's just much more natural and for me um i remember when i was in that in that difficult spot <laughs> in a difficult situation where I was completely burned out. I did not stop and listen to my body. What I did was because I grew up in a family where quitting was simply not an option. So I was in the situation where I, I worked on a PhD project. I got bullied at work. It was really bad. I worked all the time and I felt terrible and I felt like so unable to relax. And I felt like I had no safe place to go. And still, I was just hanging in there trying not to quit because quitting is something yet that you just simply don't do. So that's how I grew up. And then at some point, I just, my body gave in and I got diagnosed with leukemia. So when I was 28, I suddenly from one day to the next, I got diagnosed with leukemia. I had to go to hospital, had to go to, through chemotherapy and all that terrible stuff. But for me, it felt like, and that sounds so weird when I say it out loud, but it felt like a relief because it gave me an excuse, if you like, to slow down and take a break. And I think that's that's really kind of sad. And there are so many people out there who go through similar situations where they find that they can't allow themselves to take a break. But if they don't, things can turn really, really ugly. So that's something. Please, everyone who listens, if you feel like you need to take a break, take a break. It's okay. Claudia, I, I want like to... We, oh, don't, ahead, we don't make a change until we get into a crisis sometimes, right? Yeah. Sorry, yeah. go ahead, Tiba. No. Um, Claudia, I want to go back to that persistent work ethic that seems to be prevalent in Western society. In a, but before we talk about that, it's interesting to me that, and I never understood this connection before, this sort of mind-body connection. I, I never understood that it's sort of the same, along the same lines of you become what you eat, so to speak. Yeah. But I never really understood, and I, was, and I don't know who I was reading recently um, that was really hammering this point home. Oh, Dr. Joe Dispenza. And he was oh. talking about, you're familiar with him, right? Um, mm -hmm. So he was talking about how sort of when you in, when you incur trauma in any way, shape, or form, and and you don't address it properly, yeah. it sort of becomes like a cancer in your body, and mm -hmm. it moves around in different areas, and your body absorbs it and manifests its output in like injured knee, for example, in my case, or you might start having like persistent colds or whatever it is. And I, I guess where I'm going with this is that they don't teach us this growing up and they certainly don't teach us this in school. But the, the point of it, what I'm, I guess I'm trying to make is, is everything is sort of in this per, persistent symbiosis and one impact on one part of your body or one impact on or your mind or trauma or whatever it is, your body absorbs that. And unless it's dealt with, it, it, brings, it, it brings it out in some sort of malignant tumor, if you will. Explain that connection, what, how the body does that, if you understand that on a physiological level so that I, I understand it, but I just wanted to hear you break that down. 
So I would like to talk not only about the physical manifestation, but also about the psychological manifestation of that emotional trauma, because I think they're both sides to it. And it's really important for people to understand that because that's something that I didn't understand for such a long time. So a lot of that unresolved trauma actually stems from our childhoods and it developed as a response to experiences of either lack or overwhelm that we just didn't know how to handle at the time. So most people think about trauma as something like this huge, terrible thing that happened to them, like an assault, like an injury, like a sudden loss, for instance. But trauma can also develop from much less obvious causes too. A lack of attention, for instance. Like maybe your parents were just too busy or too stressed out to take good care of you. Or you felt a lack of acceptance. Maybe you always felt like you didn't belong to your to your family. Maybe you were the odd one out, the black sheep of the family. Maybe you weren't accepted for who you are. Maybe you felt judged, compared, criticized, or made fun of. And those experiences can just as well resolve uh, result in unresolved trauma. Just think about it. As kids, we don't know how to handle strong emotions. So strong emotions activate, as we said, the sympathetic pathway of our autonomic nervous system. And as a result, your heart rate goes up, we breathe faster, and we might start to sweat, and we might start to panic because all those sensations, they are terrifying if you don't know why you're having that experience and you don't know how to calm yourself down to make those sensations stop. And calming yourself down, as you said, that's a learned skill, yet it's something that no one ever teaches us. So we are either, either lucky because our parents or our caregivers teach us how to do that, or we are kind of like left alone and try to figure this out for better or for worse. And that's how we all develop those behavioral patterns to cope with those strong feelings. And yet often these patterns that we developed as survival mechanisms during childhood, they later turn into maladaptive and dysfunctional behavior patterns. Usually they result in at least one of two patterns that you can observe in your life. One is overcompensation and the other one is avoidance. So I like to think of overcompensation as the mental equivalent of the fight response, uh, fight, uh, response and avoidance as the mental equivalent of the flight or freeze response. So for instance, insecurity or a lack of belief in yourself often results in overcompensation that can show up as perfectionism, workaholism, people-pleasing, or the opposite, the need to always be right, the need to be the smartest person in the room, and the need to control everything. And that's why often extremely insecure people can come across as arrogant, because that's the mask they wear to protect themselves. It's like their protective armor, if you want. That's the face they show the world so they don't get hurt. And insecurity can also create those avoidant avoidance patterns that manifest as uh, procrastination, as numbing, as addiction, as emotional shutdown or withdrawal. So really depending on the way you try to handle those strong emotions, you develop those patterns. 
Well, I didn't ask you to come on here and diagnose me, but thank you. Um, <laughs> <There> you go. <laughs> He's like, gotta go. <laughs> she is crawling up above me. <laughs> it's a little too close for comfort. So, no, I, I jest, but, you know, I've spoken to you in the past about some of this stuff, so I'm fully aware of some of the things as it does pertain to me, but... Um, I I, I want to get back to that. Not about me. Let's talk diagnose Lisa next. But as it pertains to sort of that that I guess it's not a one to one. It's it's really not linear. But that relationship between taking on trauma and let's just say let's just say current situation, not childhood. Yeah. Let's just say right now I feel like I'm really going through a lot of stress in my life. There's a lot of things, and it's more on the professional side. Um, and I have a lot of stress with actually one of my children right now. I'm sort of kind of struggling with how to. Um, parent her because she's so much different than my first child. I'm just being transparent. Sorry, that's what I do. So I'm taking a lot of stress around that. But I've also noticed that physiologically, and if I'm saying this incorrectly, my body, I have this recurring knee injury that will not go away. And I've been to the doctor and he's like, there's nothing wrong with it really. And they, they've given me an injection and I'm not going to have surgery. So the way I understood what Joe Dispenza was saying is that the outward physical expression of pain, my knee, for example, might be an indicative catalyst from the anxiety or the stress that I'm taking on and I'm not dealing with properly. Do you agree with that? It could be because what you do, for instance, if you're stressed and you just notice what happens in your body, right? You start to tense your muscles, right? And a lot of times, it's, you tense especially the big fight or flight muscles. So that would be around your hip area, um, your butt area, maybe the thighs. So when you hold a lot of tension in those areas, it can it can well be that your posture shifts and that you develop knee injuries. Does that make sense? Um, I, I guess, I, yeah, I understand that it makes sense. But what I guess my question I'm trying to get at, sorry if I'm not explaining it clearly, is there always a specific pattern of how the pain or the stress that you're taking on in your outward physical world manifests itself in an expression of pain in your physical body? Is there always like, if I'm dealing with X type of stress, I'm always going to see Y type of pain? Or does your body just express itself in its own dynamic way? I guess is where I'm... Does that make sense? Can I just I, give an example of myself yeah. here? I know... And it took me years to to discover this. Um, it's always one certain spot in my back because mm -hmm. I tense up, my shoulders go up, and I yeah. don't realize it. And I'm I'm kind of carrying on like this, and then it, it ends up being in my um I can't remember the name of it that one part. So I know specifically in my body I'm able to read that one one signal, but not yeah. anything else. Yeah, and I think it really comes down to paying very close attention to those things. For me, it's actually the same. For me, it's the same. it's the shoulder area, and I also tense up, and my shoulders go up, and I don't notice it mm -hmm. until I stop. So what I'm trying to do is to take more breaks to actually check in and see if this is something that I'm doing. And another thing that I notice in myself is my breathing pattern changes. So. I, did you know that there's something that's called um, email apnoe? So people stop breathing while they write um, an email or a text. 
I actually notice that I'm doing that too. So sometimes I'm just holding my breath while I'm typing and that's not a good thing to do. So just something to be aware of. So check in with yourself often and just go through, like do a body scan and see where you hold a lot of tension. And to Diva's question, I'm not sure that there's always a type, like I have an internal problem, A, and this always manifests in pain, B. I don't think it works like that. I think it really works like your body has a certain way of dealing with stress. And that's probably very specific for you and your body. So it might well be that for you always, um, you every, every time you have anxiety or stress, your knee injury flares up. So that might just be something specific to your body. And for, uh, for Lisa, it might be the shoulders. So I think it's really about how your body deals with stress. But to your point, or to my question, there is a direct relationship between between the two. Like we scientifically know that, correct? Correct. Well, we know that internal or psychological pain can manifest as physical pain. That's mm-hmm. yeah, we know that. So that that was to my original point. That's not yeah. something that we're ever educated on, nor are we educated on how to mitigate against that. So it's interesting yeah. to me that Lisa to Lisa's question the pharmaceutical industry comes in and instead of dealing with the root of the problem, holistically, intrinsically getting to the core problem that you're having, we mask it with drugs and pharmaceuticals intentionally, in my opinion, so that you have to keep using those pharmaceuticals. Yeah. And also because it's, it's quick, it's easy. And people often like, I mean, it's that it's sad to say that, but people often like to take a pill instead of changing their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It's just more convenient, right? It's interesting to me that, that we're having this conversation today and that you started out talking about cortisol because I've just finished reading a book about my stage of life going into menopause and the correlation between getting your hormones in control and the health benefits and at this stage of a woman's life, if you don't control your cortisol and any of your other hormones, this is the time in your life that these diseases start to happen because yeah. everything is connected that way. It's so true. And actually, I just Which heard... stresses me out. <laughs> my cortisol is out. If I don't control my cortisol, I'm going to get cancer or something. Well, there's actually a very natural way to control, to, to, uh, control your cortisol, which is... Um, oh no, it's not. Yeah, well, cortisol is always. You want to make sure that you are able to relax. So you you want to you want to uh, control that. But you can do that by doing things like exercising. So you can you can pick the right exercise regimen, and that will bring your cortisol levels down, and it will help you stabilize um, testosterone, for instance. So. You can balance your hormones using your lifestyle. <laughs> That's how the systems developed over millions of years. Mm-hmm. And so it's natural to use those ways, like controlling your diet, controlling your exercise. That's how humans developed. So 
I know, but we don't like hearing those simple solutions. No. We want something more complicated. We don't want to do intermittent fasting so that our gut is healthier and eat the right things and all of that. We just want to take a pill. No. Well, well, that's a that's a good point, Lisa. It, it's sort of as contradictory, right? We and and, and I, I referenced earlier in Western societies, it's all about we work, 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 compete, 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 be the best, be the best, be the best. But when it comes to self-care, we take the easy way out and just pop pills. Why yeah. is that? That's a contradiction, isn't it? It is a contradiction. I, I don't know. I think in the Western world, self-care is usually seen as something uh, extravagant or uh, it's laziness. We, we like to label it with a negative label. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure why. We often see it as something unproductive. So Lisa, sure. you and I were you and I were talking last week about this this topic is sort of we're really able to help other people, but we're rarely able to help ourselves or we just don't take the time to help ourselves. Yeah. And it's an interesting conversation. Why is it that we're so able, a lot of people, at least Lisa and I in our business, we're always offering consultation and strategy advice for other businesses. But we often find that the same advice and strategy that we're trying to implement for other clients we never take the time to do it for ourselves. Like social media, for example. I haven't been on social media in, in almost two weeks. Part of it is because I slammed my phone in the door. But the other part of it is, is because I just, I'm just i so busy working with other people that I never take the time to actually focus on my own business sometimes. Why do we spend so much time on others? But no, why are we so ashamed? Why do we view it as narcissism to take care of ourselves? Why is that? That's a good question. It's probably because we have been conditioned to think that way. Because in in the eastern parts of the world, that's not how they see it. I think it's it's really it's a cultural thing. It's this hassle mentality that you can find everywhere. It's the Gary V's of the world who tell you you have to do <laughs> you have to hustle all the time, and it feels like you you feel guilty for taking a break, right? It just yeah, doesn't feel right. It's in those breaks that inspiration comes, isn't it? Yeah. In those quiet moments. Yeah, and we really need to explore. What I've discovered over the years is explore your resistances because that's often that it leads you to the things that, that you need to do. If you discover that you have a lot of resistance around taking a break, then it's most definitely the thing you, that you should be doing right now. Because so often we just keep ourselves busy because we can't stand being alone with ourselves. Because then we would have to think about questions that we maybe don't want to think about. Like, am I where I want to be in my life right now? What's going to happen if I just keep doing what I'm doing right now? Like these kind of questions, they can make you feel mighty uncomfortable, right? So a lot of us just prefer to be busy all the time so we don't have to ask those questions. I think you're exactly spot on with that. Like when Diva was talking to it's it's avoidance with me. You yeah. avoid certain things that internally you know the answer. And, I, you know, I was having a conversation with my girlfriend yesterday too. She does a lot of self-care. She does Reiki. And I'm like, I am scared to do that because I think I know what the answer is inside and I just don't want to deal with it right now. So let's just avoid yeah. it and stay busy. <laughs> exactly. I'd like to go down that rabbit hole with you on that, Lisa. And maybe it's a, a separate conversation. But I, I'm wondering if you can't give us, because we don't have three hours to talk, which we could easily, if you could give us sort of an accountability partner task 
that we could have a daily check-in, something we could do quick and easy. And I find that my, my, my only moments of calmness that I have throughout my day are when I'm in the shower, I'm at the gym, or I'm driving my car. But I can't always be doing those things, right? So like today I've got, I literally have 20 meetings today that I have to go in and out of between, I'm not joking, like 20 different meetings. So I'm not going to be able to do those from the shower, I don't think. <laughs> right. you can that would be more interesting, really. And that would spice up your social media. Oh, Just yeah. put it out there. Do a lot of lives from the shower. Like that. So give us one sort of mechanism, accountability partner task we can do at some point in the day where we can just pull away from whether it's five minutes, three minutes, whether it's a breath exercise, a, a, a small meditation that we could implement into our lives every day to help us deal with this cortisol, cortisol release, this fight or flight that we're constantly triggering ourselves with. Who maybe something, uh, maybe you can have a quick conversation about or a three-part conversation. So the first is just asking the question, what am I going through right now? Like, what am I, what are the feelings that are coming up? What are the emotions that I'm experiencing right now? How does that manifest in my body? What do I feel like? Do I feel tension in my shoulders? How does it manifest in my body? And then um, accepting the struggle. So, so often we do not acknowledge the struggle, but it's really helpful to just sit down and say, okay, today I'm really struggling with X, Y, Z and acknowledge that struggle and then say, okay, it's okay. I'm accepting the struggle and I'm willing to move through it. So we, we acknowledge it. We are aware of it. We acknowledge it. And then we move through it. And then maybe you can do a little breathing exercise in, in at the end to anchor that in, to bring you back to a place of calm. And that breathing exercise is similar to the one we did at the outset of the call. Yeah, you could do that. You could also do something else like box breathing. Not sure if you've if you're familiar with that. No, tell us what that is, but just that the initial breathing exercise we did at the outset, it was it was a four-second intake through the nose. Yes. And it was an out. It was an outtake of eight seconds through the mouth yeah. and, we re- and we repeated that four times, correct? Yeah. And you can usually repeat that for two to three minutes if you, if you want. And the box breathing would be something similar. So it's four seconds in, hold for four seconds, four seconds out, hold for four seconds. And then it just, you can draw like a square if you want. So it's in for four seconds, hold for four seconds, out for four seconds, hold for four seconds and repeat. <laughs> mm. I lo- Okay. First of all, four is my favorite number. And then yeah. that, that sort of um, repetitive nature just to get mm-hmm. into that is soothing just to, to hear you say that too. I love that. Yeah. And you could do it anywhere. You can do it anywhere and no one, no one will notice. No. <laughs> um, can you share with us too, and you don't need to drop names or anything, but examples of, of what you find as clients come in, kind of a success story of what you, you find as they come in and that um, progression that they're making or their, their, their own um, personal success story that you're, you're finding, whether it's, whether it's um, just specific to one person, or it's kind of general that you find this is typically what happens from the start to the begin, uh, finish of your of your relationship with them. So usually, as I said, they would probably come in with some 
a sort of awareness of those surface level problems. And they've probably had a pattern of avoidance where they didn't want to look at certain things in their lives. And that kept them stuck for a long time. So usually when we talk about those things, they might they might bring up some strong emotions and it might get uncomfortable. But if people are willing to work through that, this can lead to a very, uh, very quick breakthrough if they are willing to really be open and look at the things that they didn't want to look at before. And then they... Once they start doing that, they they start to see all those patterns. They start to see all the puzzle pieces that they didn't know were, were connected. And they can finally take those puzzle pieces and connect them and see the big picture. And that that is just amazing to witness because it takes them from this fragmented state to a place of integration and wholeness. So who are who are typically your clients then? Are they like really high functioning C-suite executives? Are they entrepreneurs? Like is there is there yeah. any sort of commonplace with them? He <laughs> was like, sign me up right now. <laughs> so it's totally the the high achiever who has always been the one who who doesn't take a break, who grinds things out, who hustles all the time and who just doesn't take a moment to step back and reflect. So high functioning entrepreneurs who are just all over the place and and need to find that, you know, that the the uh, golden thread that connects all different parts of their lives. This is called an intervention, Devo. Yeah. <laughs> it's supposed to be a sales call, Claudia. <laughs> No. <laughs> this is a safe place. <laughs> so I wanted to go back to those that accountability partner, that check-in that you talked about. There were there were three different pieces that you talked about. It was so acknowledging your feelings, sort of understanding where you are at that point in time when you're feeling that stress. But what if you're not aware that you're actually in a stressful moment? You just need to take a break. Do you, when you take that break, are you supposed to sort of just ask yourself, what am I feeling right now? Is that where you're going with that? It does help because a lot of times you are stressed without noticing it. And once you Mm -hmm. take a step back, even if you feel like you're not stressed, if you take a break and you really think about it and you also check in like with your body, like are you maybe holding stress and tension somewhere in your body and you you weren't even aware of that. So oftentimes this helps because it helps you find those patterns, how stress is embodied in like in your body. Where does it show up? As I'm eating chocolate and emotionally eating, I'm like, <laughs> I'm not stressed. <laughs> hey, yeah, but- can, I, can I talk for a second about, you, you referenced earlier, so I'm assuming it's on the table, menopause and, and all these things, right? Yeah. So Lisa's going through this and, and can I be candid? As candid as you want to be, but you okay. you don't live it, so you don't know it. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand it. I, I don't go through that, but I do understand the sort of the whole ideation around hormones, and as we age, our hormones decrease. And you know, from a male's perspective, there's all sorts of things you can do around testosterone and and take treatments around that. And it's and, uh, from a woman's perspective, as Lisa, because uh, you know I care about her health and whatnot. You, she, she does. She's doing treatments around. She's she's going through this menopause right now. Are there 
Are there it's more? Out, it's out there. <laughs> are there more? I asked you for permission. Are there more holistic ways to address than what modern medicine does around it? And and what are your thoughts around that? Can you I, solve me having to go through menopause? That's what we really want to know. <laughs> I'm not sure if I can stop that. <laughs> but I think what we know is that you can balance the hormone system through diet and through exercise. So there's a lot of things that you can actually do. But as I said, everybody, and I mean every body really reacts differently um, in, in those kind of situations. So what we would have to do uh, was to really test and experiment. And I, I think there are things like, I have heard about it, but I haven't tested it. Some companies like Inside Tracker, have you heard of them? I think you can have your hormone levels analyzed mm -hmm. and then you can do an intervention, not an intervention, you can, you can experiment with diet, you can experiment with exercise and see how it changes your hormone levels. Mm -hmm. so, so that would be super <laughs> data-driven because yeah. otherwise you're just, you know, throwing spaghetti at the wall. Yeah. Well, you sort of are doing that, Lise. You've been playing around yeah. and you are, you live a healthy lifestyle. You eat relatively healthy for the most yeah. part. And you have been playing around with different types of diets. Have you noticed any benefit from that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's certain things that we, we all know as humans, we all know the things that we should be doing honestly. And when we're, whatever we're putting in our body, how we're putting it in our body, when we're putting it in our body, we don't need to eat all day, every day for you know, uh, 16 hours a day, be eating constantly. There's things like that, that affects our bodies and what those foods are affects our body or how, we're, how our brain is performing, you know, how foggy we are, all of that. And even, um, you know, as women, there's certain stages through the month that we should be more mindful of certain things that we're eating and stuff. All of, all of this is integrated, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. It's interesting, back to the reference I made earlier, you know, we work, 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 but we don't take any downtime for ourselves for self-nurturing. And, and just to, you know, borrow another Lao Tzu quote, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. So being, getting onto some sort of a program, whether it's have, hiring an accountability coach like yourself or working with different elements of your lifestyle, you just have to start by starting and be habitual about it, like you said. And, and for whatever reason, we refrain from doing that. And, it, and it's interesting to hear you say that because we know this, but we, we just don't implement it into our lives. And I, I'm, I always struggle with that myself is why I know the right answers. I know that I shouldn't be doing this. I know that I should meditate in the morning, et cetera, et cetera. But for whatever reason, I keep jumping back into just occupying myself with busy time. So how different is your life when you or your day, when you start your day, um, doing a, a some yoga, meditating, writing in your journal, taking some quiet time, going out, walking through your garden, you know, taking a morning walk, taking your dog out, any of that, or getting on your phone right away, looking through Instagram, <laughs> seeing what everybody else in the world is doing in their perfect lives. Like, you're right. You're what's the difference? Right. You're absolutely right. There's a, it's a maximum amount of difference. I, I actually woke up this morning at four o'clock and I went for about an hour walk and there wasn't a single car on the road. And all I did was just sort of listen to the birds that were out. And there was a, there was an owl family who lives near in my neighborhood and they were like cooting back and forth. But I noticed as I was walking through literally for an hour at four o'clock in the morning, not a single sound other than just my own thoughts in my head that when I came back into the house, 
I just had this sort of calm demeanor about me. And then my daughters woke up and it turned into chaos. But <laughs> there's, there's not a pill for that either. <laughs> I'm going somewhere with this. So I recently met somebody who does plant-based therapies, mm-hmm. um, psilocybins to be precise. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that came out in the conversation around this is sort of one of the things that psilocybins do for you is they enable you to, you didn't know we were going to go down this rabbit hole, did you? Oh my you? gosh, either did I. They enable you <laughs> Gotta to- Gotta go. <laughs> they en- <laughs> Stay with me here, people. They enable you to deal with responses and triggers and emotions more, more appropriately. What are your opinions on psilocybins, plant-based therapies, et cetera, before we get into the last part of our call? Well, I I haven't tried it myself, so I can't speak from experience. I've heard about them, but I I don't have an opinion because I haven't tested it for myself. And I don't like to speak about things that I haven't tested myself. So really can't say much about that. Well, that's a cop out. It's not. It's (laughs) honest. (laughs) And honestly, you know there's a lot of people that jump on bandwagons and I'm not saying that psilocybin is a bandwagon, but it's, it's the next cool thing. And people jump yeah. on that, whether it's that or ayahuasca or something else, or people, everybody becomes a Reiki master or they just know the vocabulary around it. And people are are liking that. It's the trend right now, I think. And to honestly come out and say, I don't know, I haven't done it. And it, it doesn't fit my lifestyle right now. It's fine as well. Yeah, I'm <laughs> is, is it the next cool I'm thing? I'm never the cool kid. At least, I struggle, cool kid. at least I struggle with that. Is it the next cool thing or is it that collectively consciously we're just more aware of it and there's more people that are actually becoming in tune to it? And I know there's some fraudsters out there. I'm not making judgments on who or who they are, but are people just collectively more aware of the different modalities that once existed on the planet in indigenous cultures before Western civilization came along and raped it literally. And and now people are just waking back up again, or is it just sort of like the cool thing, like Lisa said, and it's just be like cycling through the collective consciousness of it. I, I struggle with that. You don't have to answer it, but it's something I struggle with on a daily basis. History breaths, then. Yeah. <laughs> And history will tell. That's probably the thing. I mean, I know that these these compounds can be really helpful in trauma work. So I've heard quite a bit about that. But yeah, as I said, I, I haven't tested it myself. So I'm I'm not sure. Do you want to do this together? And we all go down Ooh. this path together. Let's do this. We can be each other's accountability partners. We can journal about it. And then in six months, we can come back on a show and see how enlightened and awake we all are. Oh, yeah. Sounds fantastic. Sign me up. I'm going to put you in touch with my friend then. Okay. Before we close out, Lisa, any final questions, interrogations we want to take her, Claudia, into? No, I just want to say, like, you artfully connected all of the dots. Oh, thank you. In the sense of everything. Um, It's just how we proceed from here, right? It's making it part of your life and being aware. And if you do need to have an accountability partner, right? Some of us really do have to have that person that we can check in with, like someone like you, obviously, that can hold us accountable and step by step help us to to break those habits or um, zone into what those problems are. I love that. It really helps to have someone hold you accountable because so often, especially if you're very busy, you tend to just, you know, let it slip 
It's like, okay, I wanted to do that, but now I'm busy and no one is going to call me out. So I'm just going to let it slip. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what we all do, isn't it? We can fill our schedules with so many things and it doesn't matter. Sorry. It doesn't matter what age you are. You know, you'll t- speak to people that are retired. They're not working, but they're telling you how busy they are. They're doing yeah. other things and they don't have time for that. So we always True. have an excuse. Always. Yeah. Claudia, I've enjoyed my conversation with you. I have your website up on the screen right now, wiredforsuccess.solutions. Is that correct? That's correct. And then if you had a preferred social media channel where people can hit you up, where would you like that to go? Uh, They can find me on either LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. And what's your Instagram handle? At Wired for Success. It's just Wired for Success. Okay. Lisa, any closing thoughts? I just gave you my closing thoughts. What did you zone out? <laughs> you know that was your closing. Are you thought. on psilocybin right now? Ooh. <laughs> no, I haven't. I haven't made that commitment yet, and I wouldn't tell you on the air that I was if I if I did. Like, no. really, there's a knock at the door, and um, child services have come take your kids away. <laughs> I do have a closing thought, and I just it has nothing to do with anything, but it's just something that has been popping into my head. I have a I started a mastermind group, Claudia. By the way, I want to talk to you about that. I think we mentioned it before. Um, and then in the conversation yesterday, we got in sort of a debate around this book called The Forty Eight Laws of Power. Okay. And I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but um, that looks it's like through- a weapon. <laughs> it does again. Well, I'm not sure if it's a weapon or if you know Robert Greene, the author. He sort of is like this. What's the word? He's one of these insightful, insightful with spelled with a C, where he likes to incite provocateur thoughts to make you sort of like, dude, what a dick. But he's not really being a dick. He's sort of making you think about something so that you have to process the thought. And I'm really struggling. Robert Greene with an E at the end. I'm really struck. He's a... He's got a lot of books. I'm really struggling with this book. And and one of the things that it talks about is that you should never reveal your plans to anyone. Because, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. One of his laws of power is always sort of have this cloak and this veil of darkness around you so that nobody ever can see you coming. And I'm like, at first thought, I know. You should read some of these laws that he has. Like, keep others in suspended terror. Cultivate an air of unpredictability. (laughs) What What is group that you've cultivated? Who are these people? So we got in this debate yesterday on this. And and one of the gentlemen in the the mastermind was, was taking the side of power is good. And I'm like, I guess power is good if it's personal power. But power in the hands of the wrong person can be damaging and deleterious. I mean, look at our current state of affairs. People in a th- are fucking up the world. So what is your take on sort of personal power? And this is my final question to you because I'm interested in your thoughts. Oh, you're ending your- with an easy question. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> what is your take on personal power? And 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 because we talked about it a little bit before earlier in the call, you know, we're always sort of afraid to take care of ourselves, but taking care of ourselves is really developing your personal powers, right? So what's your take on personal power and that fine line between developing personal power and using it narcissistically or maliciously to control other people? Good question. Um, I think personal power is really more about being able to 
control your own internal state. So it, it's, it's about your own internal state and about connecting with others. At least that's it for me. So it's not about controlling and manipulating others, like the quote in your book kind of suggested. It's not how do I manipulate others to get what I want. It's more like how can I become the person who attracts these things or who manifests these things that I want. It's more like letting it flow through you and not trying to control everything around you, right? Because that's exhausting. If you try to manipulate your way to the top and you try to control your circumstances and everyone and everything around you, that's not going to work, is it? (laughs) You and I have the exact same answer. I was almost like um, you were in that call with me yesterday. So I was just curious. And I'm going to take say that I was right because you said it. And you're a microbiologist and a physiologist. So you're right. <laughs> All right. Well, anyhow, this has been a great conversation. I always enjoy chatting with you. I appreciate your time. Lisa, uh, um, you're flying back on Saturday. Is that correct? Yep. Okay. If you enjoyed the show, we're on LinkedIn Live right now and on Facebook. So if you have any questions for the doctor, here's where you can find her. You can DM her at, at Wired for Success. Um, she is also, and her website is wiredforsuccess.solutions. I'm Devo. Lisa, signing Hi, off. Lisa. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, guys. It's Thank been a you. pleasure.